Welcome to the Yellow Peril Podcast, where we help you navigate the perilous world of Asian American identity through pop culture, sex, politics, and whatever other random stuff is currently distracting us. Welcome back, Yellow Perilers. Greetings to all you Trinidads, all you Nakpils, all you Kailans. I'm Jeff Oki. And this is Bang. This week, we have a special guest with us, Michi Ben, who is a frontline worker at a local hospital. She's a nurse. I don't know if we want to shout out the hospital that you work at, but Mitchie, thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about what she's experiencing firsthand, and she's going to give us some insight into what she's been facing, really, and what she's seeing. We can just jump right in, I think, right? How are you doing, Mitchie? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so happy to be here. My name is Mitchie. Like Jeff said, I'm Filipino-American, and I'm also a nurse. Yeah, we're just going to talk about, I guess, COVID and how it impacts the Filipino community in particular, right? The Asian community, but Filipino community in particular. Correct. There was a recent article in the LA Times titled, Filipino Americans Dying of COVID. <laughs> I think that's a very poignant and straight to the point article name, but it said, Filipinos are one quarter of the California Asian population, but they represent 35% of the COVID deaths in that demographic. And even though overall death rates in the U.S. are 3.6%, 19 out of the 48 confirmed COVID individuals of Filipino descent have passed away. So that's a 40% fatality rate. Yeah, it's actually, I wasn't really sure that this was happening. I mean, I didn't know this was happening until you kind of showed me that article. It's really sad. And I, when you're reading it, it makes complete sense. Like, there's just so many factors that affect Filipinos and, like, why we're dying from COVID, you know? Right. A lot of the, they say that some of the reasons, the higher, higher risk factors for Filipino-Americans could be pre-existing health conditions, poverty, undocumented status. Totally. Lack of health insurance. But, I mean, to me, isn't it also Filipino-Americans do represent a huge portion of frontline health workers as well. So that's also putting them closer at risk. Yeah, totally. Like we make up like a third, a quarter, I don't even know, like a quarter. It's a big chunk. Of yeah. like the nurses <laughs> and the healthcare workers in California and actually the United States. So it's like a lot. So we're on the front line. I actually know a nurse that died from COVID. I used to work with her in another hospital in LA and she died. And she was a sweet Filipina lady. She's in her 50s. So she was high risk and she freaking died. You know, it's it sucks. And I know other Filipinos also that are positive. But it's like you said, it's being in healthcare, being in the front lines, but also like Filipinos lifestyle. Like we are the most unactive Asian group. That's just what we do. We're not the most active. We're probably really low in vitamin D because we're not as outdoorsy. Hmm. Filipinos are very prone to hypertension and kidney problems. And we all know those are big risks for COVID. Huh. And I feel like also older generation of Filipinos, they're a little bit more passive with their health. So that's another thing that I can think about with my experience. Now, just in terms of your experience working, are you seeing this yourself or is it... I know you're working in a particular part of LA, so maybe the demographics don't necessarily represent seeing like more Filipinos, but Yeah, I work I don't work in a big Filipino community. I work in a big um Mexican community. Okay. And just like Filipinos, they are, you know, one of the biggest groups that are dying also, but yeah, I don't work with them, but I have seen them. Mm -hmm. And I do hear about them because they are nurses, they are doctors. Right. So are you being tested every day? Because how does it work in terms of making sure you're safe? I think it's personal discretion. They trust that we're checking and like, you know, self-assessing. In my hospital, we have like a check. They check our temperatures every day. They ask us for symptoms, how we're feeling, stuff like that. It's available. We can go to the ER if we feel like we can get tested. But I have gotten tested twice. At any moment that I feel like I have, maybe I was exposed, I get myself tested that's not in the hospital, just to make sure. Are you working directly with COVID patients? In the beginning, I was. I was working with COVID patients for over a month. And then thankfully, they closed down our COVID unit, but I still see them. I have coworkers that work in my unit 
I have three coworkers that are tested positive, and that's what made me get tested because I was like, you know, I was working with them, so thankfully right. I'm negative. How are they doing now? They're fine. Yeah. They're fine. That's good. Yeah. Were they Filipino American? You know what's funny? One was she's Cambodian. Hmm. And one is Mexican-American, and the other one's Mexican as well. And so they got through it. They, like, they went through it. Mm-hmm. And they, luckily, they were younger or they were healthier. They, didn't, they weren't at risk. Yeah. They're younger. I think one had a harder time because she was older. She was our Cambodian lady. But she's, she's fine, but she's not back to work yet. And it's been like four months. Right. But the younger one, she's fine. I guess what also concerns me is... You know, you live with someone and the types of pressure you have on yourself, making sure you're safe or like the worries of your family, their concerns for you. What has that been like? Yeah, I definitely feel a big pressure to like not give it to my boyfriend. Obviously, we live together. But the thing is, it's like it's we're like, what, five months in, four months in? I don't even know. I'd say coming up five. Yeah, I hate to say it, but you kind of just go through with it and just live by every day and you just kind of like or whatever you know like I don't put my guard down but at the same time it's it's not as in the front of my head as it used to be but I still don't see my mom I've seen her twice this whole time so I'm still being extra careful and she's in LA and she's in LA she's in Koreatown yeah oh wow so what are the general what's the general sort of feeling then among frontline nurses and healthcare workers people are so tired of it. People are so exhausted. I was just talking to my boyfriend because I, I'm in management and I deal with it. People are just calling off, not wanting to work. They're taking leaves. It's just, it doesn't feel good in the hospital. People are tired. People are so tired and you can feel it and it shows, it, it sucks. Right. It's, it's been five months and I remember talking to you earlier when it all started, it seemed like, oh man, this is crazy. Like there's a lot of people, but Then I talked to you a few weeks ago and you're like, it's even worse now, right? Yeah. The last like June was the worst it's ever, ever, ever been. We've had so many patients that we were transferring them to other hospitals. Wow. What uh, what percent capacity are you, would you say right now? At one point, like we were like over 40% of our whole hospital was COVID, which is disgusting. Like we were a 300 bed hospital. That's a lot. Wow. That's crazy. It was a lot. And then we even, like, started taking patients from San Diego. Wow. Like, they ran out of ICU beds in San Diego, and we started, like, getting COVID patients in there, which is wild. Is it worse in San Diego? I don't know. I don't know if they also had a weird surge or what happened. Wow. I mean, I feel like L.A. is definitely the worst right now, right? Yeah. O.C. Orange County. Kind of, like, after our weird spike, they also are having a weird spike right now. That's worse than before. What I always wonder too is, do you ever get a chance to talk to these patients and how many of them are like, I didn't think it was real or like, I didn't ever wear a mask or how many of them are like, I did everything I could to avoid it. Like what, what stories are you hearing, if any? I think based on my population that we were taking care of before, it was just a lot of like, for my community, they don't have a choice because a lot of them live in house with big families so they were just exposing each other you know what I mean it's that kind of situation where they didn't really have a choice I don't think this community in particular is like anti-maskers and stuff like that so it's like a different it's more like I have to work there's nothing I can do yeah exactly that's what it is they have to work they have to provide some patients refuse to be in the hospital that's another problem and they're essential workers yeah Right. Yeah, this article said that um, a lot of the Filipinos who passed away were seniors living in multi-generational households with their children or nursing homes, and many of the younger infected folks in the household had essential jobs in healthcare, law enforcement, etc. So. Yeah, I have ner- like I have a nurse. He's young. He's a 23-year-old Filipino. This dude lives with his mom, his dad, his grandma, his siblings, and his house. And this guy is so scared. He's freaked out. He's so scared to get it and give it to everyone. That's scary. But this is the kind of like peril we're dealing with, you know, in the Asian community. One thing that the article pointed out that was really interesting is, you know, we're saying a lot about the Black and Latinx folks who are getting a higher rate of COVID, but... Asian Americans are generally regarded as having a lower rate, but that's just because the California Department of Public Health doesn't aggregate Filipinos from the other Asian ethnic groups. So 
as a whole that may be the case but if you actually break out right break it down filipinos yeah yeah it's really sad it's really upsetting so what can we do i mean well i mean i always think like (laughs) why didn't why didn't the government provide yeah that's like the thing it's like we need to protect the frontline workers the filipinos that are showing up every single day you know and do you guys have all the equipment you need i'm blessed that i work in an amazing hospital that has never run out of things and i've always had everything we needed so i'm very fortunate but i know every other hospital even like the big famous hospitals in la have run out of stuff this hospital that i don't want to name this hospital where this lady died that i know that i used to work in it's a shit show. Like, it's terrible. Like, the stories I hear from there, it's just atrocious how nurses are being treated. Why are certain hospitals getting different provisions? Is this based on where they're already sourcing stuff or yeah. funding? or There's so many factors, like profit for profit, preparedness. Maybe they didn't believe it. They ordered too late. They don't want to pay for the price for the mask. Because you had to, they had to scour vendors. Like, my hospital had, like, 10 different vendors like one because and and the the beauty of my hospital is they were so transparent it's like this week we're gonna get a shipment of shoe covers from this factory and then on tuesday we're gonna get gowns from this factory so there was always transparency but they were like working so hard to find all our ppe and maybe other hospitals just didn't do that you know i feel like what an easy thing they could have done was let's provide housing for people that are at risk that live in multi, you know. My hospitals did that. Oh, they did? Yes. That's great. Okay. And a lot of, I had a lot of nurses on my unit stay in hotels. They stayed in hotels for weeks. Perfect. Yeah. My hospital even offered like our the rehab section of our hospital as dormitories. So a lot of nurses stayed there. Okay. That's great. Good. And then they put up a lot of nurses in different hotels. Obviously, that's something that all hospitals should be doing, I'm guessing a lot are not just because of resources and funding. Right. But I'm glad your hospital did that because that seems like an easy solve. Yeah. Granted, it costs money, but still like a cost that, you know, saves lives. Yep. Definitely. Really scary. When do you think this is all going to be over? That's the million dollar question. I think by next... Are you booking any flights in 2021? Oh yeah, for sure. Not to the Philippines. (laughs) Maybe to the Philippines. Really? I think... I think this fall and winter, it's not it. Like, we're still going to be in it. I think next by next spring, by next summer, I think we'll be fine. Wow. So a whole year almost. Just slide in next summer. We'll be fine. <laughs> it's barely summer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, other countries are already in their second, third waves, right? Yeah. And we're still yeah. technically in our first. We haven't had the luxury of a second wave. Yeah. We're still so deep scary. into the first wave. It's sad. We can point fingers later, obvious fingers, but yeah, yeah, it's it's sad that America, everyone thought we'd be a country that could do it, and we didn't at all, at all. Maybe that's the problem. A lot of us thought we could do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they thought they could do it without wearing masks <laughs> and partying and going to beach parties and having barbecues and conventions and rallies, et cetera, et cetera. Not pointing any fingers. Yeah, like it's... Interesting because it's literally five months gone. Like we quarantined, we we stayed home and that means nothing because we just threw it all away by opening up too fast and we are where we are now because of that. Yeah. It's like we didn't do anything. Right. I mean, those of us that did do something, which is you didn't have to do much. Right. Just stay home or and or wear a mask and right. now we have to keep doing it. I tell people this all the time. I tell people this all the time. Like this thing, it's not that easy to get. Hmm. It's not that easy. I mean, as long as you're wearing a mask, that's pretty much you done. That's it. Like it doesn't take that much. It's not like, you know what I mean? Like just wear a mask and yeah. don't be like a dick. Don't be so close to people constantly. <laughs> yeah. No, we we know that. It's just unfortunate. I mean, they have those ads that get served online and it's like, do you believe wearing a mask helps or not? And you can just it's just click a button. And even the ad was like 51% said, we don't need a mask. I'm like, what is happening? Like half of America just doesn't believe it. Imagine working with nurses alongside you and they don't believe in it. Really? really? You know nurses? Oh my God, yeah. 
Yes. They see it firsthand. Firsthand. Like, you see it. You see it. And it's just like... What do they say then? It's a hoax that it's man-made, that Bill Gates made it. But even if he did, like, what does it matter where it came from? And it's funny because it's like, dude, you're seeing it. And they're just like, well, yeah, it's real, but this is all by the government. It's all like, you know what I mean? It's a lot of that... Conspiracy theorists. Yeah. So much conspiracy theories in, in like the healthcare field. It's just, it's so scary. That's frightening. But I don't, I still don't understand. Let's just say that they see somebody dying in front of them, right? And they say, it's not real. It's a hoax. Like I realize it's a, it's a disease, but Bill Gates made it. So I'm immune. Is that their reasoning? Because they're a Mac person or something? I don't understand. <laughs> it's like an always like, I'm not going to let this virus that only kills less than 1%, you know, take my rights away. That's always the narrative. It's like, it's like, why would I do this? Why would I hide away when it, it only kills 1% of the population type thing? That's always the narrative I get. It's like, why would I not live my life when I don't, I, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm fine. Right. So they're not thinking about other people. They're being selfish. No, yeah, they're being so freaking selfish. <laughs> you describing this makes me think of Avengers Endgame, where I was just like, oh, that person's not going to die. You know, that they can't. <laughs> they're not going to kill that person. And then they die. And it's like, yeah, it's too, like, it just happens. So. Yeah. That's a terrible analogy. If people just saw, if people... Like anti-maskers spent a day in ICU and they see what we see. It's it's horrific. Why don't we see that more? They're not really showing that anywhere. I mean, I have a, we have a patient on my unit that had COVID, right? And he's testing negative now. But this dude is paralyzed. He's 44 and he's completely paralyzed. It got 44. to his spine. Wow. And somehow it caused like demyelination of his spine. And now he's not walking. Like if you're not scared of that and how unpredictable and weird this is. Right. I don't think we hear that enough. All we hear is you won't be able to smell for two weeks. Like we're not hearing the paralysis part. Right. And that's the thing. I read something where it's like, yeah, it, it kills like, you know, 0.5. But there's another percent that had a stroke. There's another percent that had a heart attack. There's another percent that developed diabetes. Right. So when you like see that, that impacts the economy in such a big way. That's a lot of freaking Americans. Right. People are getting diabetes from this because it attacks your pancreas. You know how weird that is? It's like... That's crazy. It's frightening. Yeah. That's what I think people are only concerned about. It's like, how many people is it killing? The problem is killing, it does yeah. far more than just killing. It has so many different adverse effects. So many different effects. That people aren't really paying attention to. I mean, I remember when that one actor was, he, he did pass away eventually, unfortunately, but there was a part where they had to like amputate his leg. Yeah. Because like blood wasn't getting to it or there was some, I'm just like, what is happening? Yeah, the thing is, it's like we thought in the beginning COVID was just a respiratory illness. It's like, okay, it's like a flu, you know, it's your lungs. But the more we're learning about it, it's like a vascular problem. It creates problems in your vessels. That's why it, and it, it can affect every single part of your body. It can affect right. fertility. Some patients, they can't have babies because of this. Some people lose limbs. Wow. They wow. always have blood clots all over their body, and that's what causes the problem. Right. They're full of blood clots everywhere. And when your organ is not getting oxygen because of blood clots, it stops working. Yeah. And, and I think that's the problem is people forget that just because people aren't dying after having COVID-19 and now being negative, that doesn't mean the people that are now negative don't have uh, lifelong problems after this. Yeah, exactly. Which people forget. People aren't talking about. So it's, it's you should still be worried about getting COVID-19 and being negative, but you don't know what it's going to do to your life, your health. Yeah. Some people aren't breathing normally after four or five months still. Right. The bottom line is don't get COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, kids. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. God. It's, it's not just the flu. And yeah, I mean, Vube makes a great point as well. Even if it's a conspiracy theory, even if <laughs> it was man-made, even if Bill Gates did do it, there's a, like, at that point, at least admit that there's a virus. But the problem is that some people don't even believe it's a virus. Uh, there's a video going around where a guy in Texas, I think he's in Houston, where he drives to the hospital and he walks into the lobby. He's like, where is everybody? Where are all the patients? 
Where, where, where's the lines yeah. of people coming in? And a nurse yells at him and is like, why would we keep patients in the fucking lobby? They're in the <laughs> fucking rooms. That's like yeah. going to a hotel and saying like, it says no vacancy, but there's no one in the lobby. Where is everybody? Right. They're in their fucking rooms, you know? Like, it's absurd what people think. And it's funny because around that time where everyone was going crazy because hospitals were empty and we were part of that hospital, we had like 40% occupancy and it's because we stopped all surgeries we stopped all surgeries we didn't accept any visitors we closed down so many different departments so yeah we didn't have a lot of patients because we had to make room for covids right non-emergency right procedures were all put on hold basically right mm -hmm. huh but now they're full again so now they're full again yeah crazy so, so right now the the NBA started playing again, and there's uh, two Los Angeles players I want to bring up since you both are in Los Angeles. One of them is Dwight Howard for the Lakers. He's been going around without a mask saying he doesn't really believe it, and it's all a hoax. But more importantly, the other player, Lou Williams for the Clippers, left the bubble to attend to a, his grandfather's funeral, and they just caught him at Magic City in Atlanta. So I wanted to hear... At the strip club. Yeah, I wanted to hear Mitchie's thoughts since she's from Atlanta and a nurse, <laughs> what she she feels about somebody going to Magic City, not on a Monday, no less, just on a regular. Are, are people wearing masks in Magic City, though? Even the strippers? I, I highly doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say don't do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. The NBA has priority on all their testing. So they get tested every day and then they get the results back the same day in the middle of Orlando, Florida. That's crazy. dude. Must be nice. Like that's a big deal, right? Yeah. That's there's nobody. There's nowhere else that's happening. No. Hmm. <laughs> this is probably a good time to bring up core response. Something that you can do. Dude, core response. Yeah. Core response. If people aren't aware CORE stands for Community Organized Relief Effort. It's a group started by Sean Penn. CEO is a friend of the pod, Ann Lee, who we're also trying to get on to talk about what's going on. They are providing free testing. They started in Los Angeles. They spread out across the U.S. now. They're focused in SF, New Orleans. I believe they're in Atlanta. I know mm -hmm. they've Atlanta. even gone to native tribal lands to do testing there as well. So they're all over. Free testing, they've worked with governors, they've worked with cities. We just want you, our audience, to know that you can support them. You can donate by going to coreresponse.org slash donate. They're doing great things. They definitely deserve and need your support. They're doing such great things. Yeah. Yeah, I personally have been tested there twice, and I'm so impressed that, like, the efficiency how fast it is. I get my results in like 24 hours. You get a text. They're so kind. And it's like that kind of service being available in the community, especially in places like, you know, East LA, where it's a little bit more impoverished. That's, it's so important. Like these people don't have access to healthcare. And for an organization like that to be so consistent and being there for this community, it's like, it's incredible. Absolutely. They're doing great things and they started so early in the game too. They saw yeah. the need. They're like, why is there no free testing? And they came to the rescue really and opened up huge spaces for people. You can make a reservation on their website, I believe as well, to get tested. It's a drive-in. You drive up for your reservation. They give you the test. You get it in the email, your results really quickly. Very amazing service. And if you'd like, you can also volunteer as well. And I'm, I just clicked on the volunteer button. It looks like our friends Mike and Daniel are on the front page. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I think it's them. Yeah. Mike is looking pretty good. Yep. Let's thank Mike. Let's thank Daniel. Let's thank Joe. Vanessa. Vanessa. And of course, Anne Lee, who's heading everything. She's flying across the country to make sure all these get off the ground safely, securely, and quickly because we need it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, thanks to Sean Penn. Maybe we'll have him on the pod as well. Next week. Next week. <laughs> but yeah, do volunteer if you can. If you can't donate, if you have time. We know a lot of people are between jobs or you know waiting for the next gig to pick up. It's a great place to volunteer time to help people get tested. And if not, go protest. Damn it. <laughs> Just wear a fucking mask. <laughs> Period. Period. 
I've always thought that Trader Joe's was going to get caught at some point. There's no way you can go around for years and years and years calling your burritos Trader Jose's and selling wontons <laughs> and the box says Trader Ming's. Like, there's just no way. I mean, it's obviously based on colonialism, right? I haven't even looked, but is Trader Joe's like based on an actual person who's trading, like a Joe who's like going around colonizing and trading stuff? I never read the story of Trader Joe's. No, I kind I read. I remember reading the story back in the day, but it started like a small store where he was like having to bring goods back and forth from a small place, and I think that's kind of how it started. <laughs> yeah. What if if one place was like on the other side of Mexico, and then he was selling it to like <laughs> El Paso? Then yeah, if he was going from Juarez, Mexico, to to El Paso, then I'd have problems. So it's probably like he's probably going from like San Bernardino to Santa Monica, though. So. <laughs> Right. The first Trader Joe's store opened in 1967 by founder Joe Colombe in Pasadena. What? Oh, yeah. It was owned by German entrepreneur Theo Albrecht from 1979 until 2010 until he passed it on to his heirs. Huh. So it became German. Maybe that's when it became a little racist. Hey, oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is it, we have a German on the podcast right now. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he knew that. It was where? intentional. <laughs> where, where, where? It's weird. I literally read an article about this, about Trader Joe's and how the problem that is Trader Joe's and like taking, like just appropriating so many different foods. And it's weird because you go to Trader Joe's, you get your normal stuff and it's delicious and you don't even think about it. Right. And then one of the things that they really talked about was the sriracha. It's like this dude, this Vietnamese dude made sriracha and it's amazing. And Trader Joe's has freaking sriracha, you know? And of course, I opened my fridge and what did I see? It's that stupid Trader Joe's <laughs> sriracha. And I'm like, why? What the fuck? Like, What do you mean? They copied it? or? Yeah, they copied right. it. And I have it in my fridge. And I'm like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, how, how did this happen? In case people aren't aware of what's happening exactly, obviously Trader Joe's has all these labels named based on the ethnicity of the food. So there's Trader Jose's for Mexican food. There's Baker. Wait, 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 wait. Let's get, let's get people to guess. Let's let, do you want to get oh. Bitchy to guess? Sure. Okay. <laughs> you know what the Chinese one is? She might know it. What is it? For what? What's the product? It's all their, the Chinese stuff. Actually, I said it earlier, so it's it's Trader Ming's. Trader Ming's. And the Mexican one is Trader Jose. Do you know what the Italian one is? Yeah. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Giado. Is, Giado, is that it? Trader Giado. <laughs> Did I say that Trader right? Trader Giado. The worst actually has to be the Middle Eastern one. Habibi. <laughs> that Trader just means Habibi. friend. That just means friend. Yeah. It's a Arabian Joe. Oh, that is dumb. Wow. That's the worst. They have a Japanese one. Uh-oh. Trader Joe Sands. Joe San? Joe Sans. Joe San. Joe San. Does that mean anything? San means mister. Like That's not bad. I'll allow it. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> Am dude. I allowed to? Or is that only you're only a No, bad. yeah. Okay, my bad. That's just you not caring about Japanese people. <laughs> There's no Vietnamese one. But I think two months ago they came out with Ube products that are Filipino and I was very happy about that. And they and they blew up. They everyone just got sold out everywhere. It's like oh. Ube waffle mix or pancake mix and Ube ice cream. Is it Trader Joseph? <laughs> Trader Joseph. Yeah. Trader Joseph. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What would be the Vietnamese one? Yeah. Go ahead. I'll I'll let you I'll allow this one. Just when. I'll let you do it once. <laughs> Gosh, I'm trying to think of, I don't know enough Vietnamese words. <laughs> I'm trying to think of foods. Well, the, the Korean one would just be Trader Cho, right? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And racist, but good. <laughs> Trader Cho Bibimbap. <laughs> Frozen Bibimbap for $1.99. What would Vietnamese be? Come on, Fubing, you got one. It has to start with a J. Trader Vu. Trader Vu. Trader yeah. Vu. Trader Duck. There Trader Duck. Trader. <laughs> Nudo. Trader Nudo. <laughs> Trader Pho. There's just a lot of stuff that they that people are finally getting rid of. I mean, I'm really glad Aunt Jemima's gone. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a thing, right? We have just collectively decided that that's okay. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. 
I mean, I've been to Trader Joe's. I've bought those items and it didn't really trigger me, right? I was like, that's right. weird, I guess. Why not just keep it? But it's just white people thinking it's cute, right? Yeah. When not realizing they've appropriated. Are, are they getting rid of Uncle Ben? Yeah. Uncle Ben's rice? They are. Okay. As they should. Are they getting rid of his name? The whole name? Everything. I think it's going to be called Ben Rice or something. Like they, they're just rice. getting rid of like... Uncle. Something like that. And the imagery, probably. Right. Have you guys ever had Uncle Ben's rice? Probably once. Shit's fire. Is it? It's fire, really? I don't think I've ever heard anybody say yeah. it's fire. Like just the regular rice or the Mexican style or tomato and basil rice? Just the Mexican style, the jambalaya. You add a little sausage in there. Wow. Whoa. The Southern comes out once in a while. It just like, <laughs> just pops out. It's a thing, dude. Oh, I guess I'll try it then. Yes, I've had Aunt Jemima too. Have you had them together though? <laughs> Given the chance. These names have been used since 1977. The company began introducing international sounding variants of its brands for some of its private label ethnic food items. Oh. Giotto. That's how you say Giotto. Giotto. Oh, that sounds Japanese. Trader Giotto. I know it does almost, huh? Giotto. <laughs> Giotto. Is there a French one? They have a beer. Monami. <laughs> Trader. Oh, they do. Trader, Trader Jacques. Jacques. Oh, I knew it, it was going to be Jacques. French be... food and soaps. Trader Jacques. <laughs> Boom. I called it. Trader Jacques. Their beer is called Joseph's Brow. Their, their bakery is called Baker Joseph's. So, yeah. How about, wait, a German one? If you said the owner is German, right? Oh, he would never. He wouldn't. <laughs> Hans? Trader Hans. Trader Hans. Jeez. Trader Joseph. Oh, I guess that's what it is. Baker Joseph's Flour and Bagels. Uh -huh. Even though flour and bagels are German. Sure, German baker. Why not? Oh, Lando Lakes is getting rid of their Native American woman kneeling on a ground mound of grass, too. Yep. Aunt Jemima is changing. I don't know if you guys saw this, but I thought it was really cool. In, um, in England, in one of the port towns there, I forgot what it is, but they had a colonial dude that was a... What do you call this? He had a big monument and they took it down and they replaced it with a protester. Like they took one of the protesters image and created like <laughs> a statue and put it in place of where that colonizer used to be. I thought that's really cool. But then it got taken down a day. Wait, did the people do it themselves or the government did it? No, the government did uh. it. Like it was really nice and well made. Wait, where was this in? In the UK? It's in England somewhere. I forgot. I think Oki is confused. I think, do you think that a protester just stood up there and just like posed like a Madison, like in Times Square? No, no, no. I know it was a protest. No, a statue was taken down of a colonizing slave runner racist mm -hmm. guy. And an artist built a statue of a, a black female protester and put it up themselves, but it got taken down already. It did? Yeah, it got taken down like a few days after. It, it wasn't <sighs> up for that long. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's not up anymore. <laughs> I thought it was really awesome. Oh, yeah. Bristol removed statue of black protesters. Bristol. Bristol, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful statue, but it was taken down. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, Trader Joe's. At least they're changing. And so are many other brands. Is it enough, though? It's a step in the right direction. It's not enough, but hey. Wait, let me ask this, though. Yeah. How offended are you guys by this, by the Trader Joe's thing? Like in the scale of all the problems we have in the Asian community, like where do you place this, you know? This is not a big, this is pretty low. This is not a big deal, right? Yeah. Compared to everything we talked about, yeah. COVID, Black Lives Matter, right. everything. Right. The Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben thing, for sure. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's has some that's deep rooted history in American culture and politics and everything. And I also feel like Trader Joe's, like, they do a good job of recognizing where it's from and, and using local ingredients. And it says it right there, product of the Philippines, this thing grows in the Philippines, you know, that kind of thing. So I do appreciate that. It's something. Agreed. But this is, yeah, it's something. It's not very high on my list. It's like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. again, it never really triggered me or bothered me before that much. It was just... But maybe, obviously, other people are really bothered by it. And if the impact on them, you know, if, if that changes that, great. My thing is, is this going to scale, right? So if you're a business and you're selling five products right now that don't have any, that, you know, is questionable and debatable whether or not it's racist, 
what if you become even bigger and then you start selling Korean stuff and Vietnamese stuff and like Southern mm. food and like it gets huge, huge, big and big and you painted yourself against the wall. You're just like, oh, my God, our branding is based on this thing where like we name our food for like whatever ethnicity the food is from. And then like, like, where do you go from yeah. there? Like, where do you stop? So at some yeah. point after the fifth one, you're just like hold up, maybe we should come up with a new naming system because the 15th one is is probably going to be racist. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to start serving Icelandic food and Finnish food and <laughs> everything that's yeah. Northern Scandinavian. Can't offend the Scandinavians. Yeah, it's kind of like our friend who made uh, Gentry fried chicken. It's like, if you... <laughs> If, if this business becomes very successful and you're selling fried chicken and it's called Gentry. We have to, we have to shut down. And you want to open one up in a place that's getting gentrified and you're, you're, you're really, it's a really cool name, but yeah, you know, it's, it's going to have to scale up. I think that could have worked if <laughs> I'm laughing just because I was a part of it. Yeah. That. It's like, Hey, did you make that logo? I, you're the one that did the logo. I made the logo. Oh man. That's it's hilarious. It's that a, this, this actually sounds so stupid. I kind of want to. Yeah. So our friend, we won't name any names, who's a chef and another friend and I were like, that name is hilarious. It's terrible, but it's not like we're, we're only doing pop-ups, right? Which is, yeah, I guess the signal of, gentrification as well if if we're popping up in your area your area is either already gentrified or it's gentrifying but the idea was gentry fried chicken i drew the logo of like this uptight snooty tuxedo chicken (laughs) (laughs) more to do with gentry than gentrification of course but that's where the word gentrification comes from gentry but yeah, I mean, obviously it didn't take off, but I don't think it's because of the name <laughs> or how good the the food was amazing. But yeah, if it scaled, I think we would have figured out ways to... You'll like, just be like KFC, it's GF chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... Gluten-free chicken. It's just like, don't paint yourself in a corner before you even started. You know what I mean? It's like... You're right, right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, we have this really yeah. great name, but that means we can't open up in Oakland anymore. <laughs> It's great. I think it's worth yeah. it to keep the name. We'll just open up in places that are like well past gentrification. <laughs> what if it stood in the way of gentrification, almost like we supported communities that we're in by giving back? Yeah, that means you're yeah. cutting a percentage yeah. of that check to, to nonprofits that are fighting gentrification then. Yeah. Yeah. That are fighting non-gentrification. Wait, I'm confused. How can you fight something and name yourself it? But it's a joke. The whole name was a joke. So it's sort of like draw attention. You can draw attention through satire, right, to something and then support that thing that you're satirizing. I feel like that would be funny if it was like some Mexican dude actually making it in a little shitty hole in the wall. That would be funny. (laughs) (laughs) The fried chicken? Yeah. You know, like here's this dude and it's like, yeah, making fried chicken. The problem is three kids with like five degrees each. Exactly. <laughs> decided to make fried work. chicken. <laughs> five degrees. <laughs> I have one degree in design, dude. <laughs> okay. Three, four degrees among three people. Yeah, four degrees. And they don't even season their chicken properly. <laughs> yeah, we do. What the hell's good fried chicken? It was pretty good fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. We season it with furikake. <laughs> <laughs> The problem is intent, right? It's a spectrum, right? On one scale, yeah. on one side, what would make it fine is if this was a nonprofit and one of the members like makes really great chicken. So then they decided to start doing a pop-up and all the proceeds go to the nonprofit. One step over to totally. that is somebody who like really wants to support like the community and mm-hmm. pushed back against gentrification and displacement. And so like, we have this great right. idea, we're going to do a pop-up and then most of the funding is going to go to the nonprofit, right? One step over to that uh-huh. is a bunch of, uh, it goes on and on. And you guys were like, this is a <laughs> yeah. great idea. A bunch of doofuses. Like, this is a great this idea. Is a none of the money's going to, a, good none chicken. of the money's going to the <laughs> yeah. community or the nonprofits yeah. are doing anything. But if it well, did though, right. We would, we would. And if we did, it would be we should. It would be one percent of one percent. It won't be one percent. It would be five percent of net profits. They have, dude. They have to pay their student loans somehow. Yeah, we did two pop ups, and then we all got busy. But I think the point was is like, is it even good, and will people buy it? That's what the the pop ups are for. And they were good. I just think everybody got lazy and disinterested pretty quickly. 
But I still think it's a great idea. And I think if it did have that name, I would make sure that that point of it is that's what we are against. <laughs> Heard. So saith I this now. <laughs> Gentrified. It's just really tricky. I mean, gentrification is not actually the actual problem, right? It's the displacement of pushing people out. Yeah. Gentrification is just making things better. For the people that are there. No, no, no. It's just making a physical place better. But the problem is the impact of that pushes people out. Displacing people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And can I also add that I feel like fried chicken in itself, without, I feel like this is going too deep, but fried chicken itself <laughs> is already a message. It's already a cultural thing. And then adding that extra layer of like, true, that word, it makes it even, I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, look, but we made sure that our fried chicken, you know, look, there's fried chicken around the globe, though. Like Japanese have fried chicken, but it's done differently. True. Black culture has fried chicken. China has fried chicken. Jolly Everywhere has fried chicken. Yeah. Filipinos have fried chicken. I just said fly fried chicken. chicken. <laughs> they Jesus do. Christ. Oh, that is a great name for what a chicken fuck spot. Fly chicken. <laughs> fly <laughs> chicken. Oh, <laughs> terrible. All right, traitor. That's so. just terrible. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't mean it like the racist Tra part. I just meant like... It would be funny if it was called fly chicken, not like fry chicken. Fly. Oh, my bad. I didn't think I was thinking oh. of that. Okay. God. Oh. I was thinking of like a southern <laughs> a southern fried chicken thing, not a Chinese one. Fly chicken. Oh, th like this chicken's fly. Yeah, Got that's it. what I was thinking. Jeez. You guys. I, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> don't shake your head. I did not think of that. I don't, I don't know the whole R and L thing. I always mix it up. Oh, yeah. Terrible. I want to talk about rice. We brought up rice real fast. It's going to be really fast. It's going around everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. Asians are talking about it. We have to talk about it. A BBC host on a cooking show, Hersha Patel. She is South Asian. That's fine. All I want then is this. So first of all, she cooks the rice. She doesn't wash the rice. She doesn't wash the rice. That's got Asians shook. Then she cooks the rice and then she rinses the rice to get the starch out after she's cooked it. If you haven't seen this, Google it. It's not that far from your fingertips online. All I want is somebody to, to say maybe this is a legitimate way to cook rice that I and 90% of Asians don't know about. Is this a South Asian? All I want is an answer. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Maybe it's mind blowing to watch. Here, let me let me play. You ain't getting it from me because I'm yeah. horrified when I saw that. <laughs> let me let me yeah. let me play devil's advocate here. Yeah, yeah, do it. I rarely ever see chefs cleaning anything before they cook it on a cooking show because that's not a thing. So maybe it's already pre-cleaned the rice. Oh, yeah, sure. Maybe. Yeah, no. Do you see them grinding the meat when they make a burger? They just throw the ground meat on. <laughs> it's rare, right? Right. Do you see them washing the vegetables? No, they're just chopping the vegetables. They're like, hey, I've got my lettuce. Chop, chop, chop. They're not like, I'm washing the lettuce to show you. She's showing you the whole process and it is... Disgusting. It's slightly gut-wrenching. It's bizarre. She strains the rice in a colander after she's cooked it and then runs it what? under a sink. I felt physically ill watching this. Did you not see the video? <laughs> I just read about it. This is... That's kind of weird. You need to... A... I... Oh, wait. All right, here's the thing. Another yes, devil's advocate. You. Okay, now there it is. All right, devil. Even the devil was shocked. <laughs> devil's advocate, okay? Okay, we're releasing these pods every week, okay? Okay. All three of us are going to eat the uh -huh. rice based on her method, and then we're going to see what it tastes like. Oh, hell no. <laughs> okay, ima right. just imagine. I just want you to guys imagine rice that's wet. It's just wet rice. <laughs> I like my rice pretty dry, so. Right, it's like wet. I mean, look, there's soupy rice, but that's different, right? It, it's like cereal rice. It's like, I made rice. I'm going to put milk on it. Like, what? Yeah, it's called juk. <laughs> it's called juk. <laughs> no, juk is cooked. <laughs> cooked. She's not cooking it in more water. She's literally just washing cooked rice. It's very odd. I literally had physical reactions watching this. I was a little sickened. I was just shocked and just was like, this is so weird. It's weird. What I want to see is like a camera facing into the crew to see like, <laughs> like, because if any Asian person was there, their face would be horrified, right? Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. I'm pretty sure there's not an Asian person on the other side of the camera then. No, it's like if it's BBC, I guarantee you 
It's mostly white people. White people, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I think why it, it creates such a reaction is because we have never seen that. We have never seen cooked rice being washed after it's cooked. We've never seen videos about making rice because we would get our heads smacked oh, if we were six years we old. Were if we did not make at rice at six. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe it is a thing. Maybe it is a thing, but we just have yeah. never seen it. I've never seen that in my life. My thing that I just had to look up though is like, I know you're supposed to wash the rice, but I never knew why. I was just like, I know I just need to wash the rice and I do it until that water is like almost crystal clear, right? Yeah. We get rid of the starch. It's the starch. But this process, she's saying she's washing it out after. But maybe, again, like someone write in, call in, email us, text us. Enlighten us. If this is how you do it and why. All right. Well, we can just explain right now how to make rice. We'll do right? a test. Actually, I'm gonna, let's each explain how we cook our rice, right? Put the rice <laughs> uh -huh. into a rice bowl, I guess, whatever whatever you're going to mm -hmm. pot. You put or the, the pot right? you're cooking it in. Pour yeah. water in, swirl it around yeah. until the water... It's cloudy. And then pour it out until it becomes clear. And then you measure how much water you put in by the width of your pinky, Right. Like, yeah, the edge of... Up to the first digit. Up to the first knuckle. Line. The first knuckle yeah. of your pinky. So the rice touches the bottom of your pinky and the water goes up to the next knuckle. Yeah. I mean, that's how Genghis Khan taught us, like, in the year 500 or whatever <laughs> the hell all of us learned. And we were able to populate the earth. Like, <laughs> clearly it's working. But maybe he didn't, he didn't get down to South Asia, maybe. I don't... Is this a South Asian way to cook rice? I don't know. I don't think so, dude. I think it's a BBC thing. Because we all have eaten Indian food and I've, we've never eaten wet rice. Yeah. Regardless, she is, her name is Hersha Patel. I'm going to assume she is of South Asian descent. She's making Chinese fried rice. And God, it is starting to frustrate me how gross. It's gross. Wet rice. Imagine wet rice being fried. First of all, the best best rule for fried rice is let it sit in the fridge at least for one night too. Leftover fried rice. Isn't it supposed to be day old? Isn't fried day rice? old, baby, because it dries. Yeah, it's better dried out a little bit. It's better after it's sat in the fridge for a day. That's when it's perfect. They should have given that tip. Just the opposite. There's so many things. Man, yeah. Mitchie, you are so angry. Like I've never, out of all the topics you, we talked about today. Yeah. <laughs> This is the one you're most oh, yeah. upset about. COVID-19, Black Lives Matter, fucking rice. Yeah, Lou Williams going to Magic City on a Saturday during COVID, but no, it's fried rice. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. It's not right. It's so wrong. It's wrong. I like my rice dry. That's the worst. That's why I'm, I'm a little freaked out by yeah. all of this. All right, let's bang some out. Let's bang some out. What you got? What should we be watching? I have three recommendations based on my Netflix viewing. Uh -huh. I think they just know I'm into South Asian American stuff right now. Never Have I Ever. It's a movie. I think it's a movie. No, it's a show by Mindy Kaling. I'm going to watch that next. I wanted to mention that first. Broken Hearts Gallery starring Geraldine Viswanathan. That looks pretty good. I haven't seen it yet. Will be. The third one I have watched and I fucking love it. Man Like Mobeen. It's about a Pakistani British comedian. He was actually in Four Weddings and the Funeral. My favorite thing about Four Weddings and Funeral, the TV show, not the movie. But yeah, it's three, three seasons. It's kind of like 80% of it is like Master of None. And the last 20% is like the regular parts of Atlanta, not like the crazy trippy parts of Atlanta, but like just the regular like day-to-day -day stuff. It's really great. Talks about a lot of Muslim British sort of racism that a lot of make America great slash make Britain great Brexit type of locals have towards outsiders and immigrants and all sorts of othering that happens in the UK. So I would highly recommend that. But those are the big three. Cool. My two shout outs real fast. Ghost of Tsushima. If you like Red Dead Redemption and sort of that open world mission-based game, you can play as a samurai in feudal fantasy Japan. I've seen some gameplay. It looks dope. There is Japanese voice actors. There is an English dubbed one too. <laughs> Don't play that version. Just play the one with the Japanese voices for the love of God. The cool thing too is they have an Akira Kurosawa filter that you can apply to the game 
and it makes it look fucking epic. It is really beautiful. Does it increase the amount of time you have to play the game by like twice? It multiplies it by five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Way more cutscenes, longer pauses. Yeah. But really beautiful. Most people are even just playing it just to get like beautiful shots that they can share on social. The other thing I want to shout out is it's been on for a while. The Babysitter's Club, the new one, the relaunch, shall I say, is on Netflix right now. I want to shout out to Mamona Tamada, who plays Claudia Kishi. And there's even a short documentary on Netflix called The Claudia Kishi Club, where the director, Sue Ding, interviews people about the importance of seeing a J character in uh, growing up, right? Very important. Who doesn't fit. Check it out. A model minority stereotype. Yeah, you're right. She's wild. She's- I have some shout outs. Can I add some shout outs? Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of South Asian... I am obsessed with Indian matchmaking. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've been hearing this is crazy, right? Dude. This is wild. Netflix really wants me to watch it, too. Probably because I clicked on the last three yeah. on Netflix. I watched this thing in one day. I was so obsessed. I was so invested. I felt so close to the characters. It's such a great show. And it's so funny because I feel like no one's talking about it. But when I tell people, like, everyone's watched it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I freaking love it. I think people should watch it. It's great. I hear it's pretty amazing. Have you watched the whole series? Yeah. Does anybody want a spoiler? Nobody wants a spoiler. Don't give them spoilers. It's not like a winner or anything, right? It's just... Yeah. There... No, I know, but... There is... Oh, okay, forget it. Do you want spoil? No spoiler? No, I'm going to watch it, obviously. Okay. Watch it. And I'm going to add another show. This is just a bonus. I Might Destroy You, HBO. Right. Have you guys heard of it? Yes. She's the victim of, like, she might have been roofied or blacked out. Yeah, And she yeah. might have been date raped. And she's trying to solve who did it. Yeah, and this actress, yeah, she's just super cool. She writes all her stuff. She's so such a great actress. And I think what made me watch it is I, I read an article about her trying to sell her show to Netflix. And Netflix was like, okay, we'll give you $1 million and that's it. And she was like, no, I want at least 5%. And Netflix didn't want to do it. So she sold it to HBO instead and had a better deal. Right. So it just makes me really proud that because she, you know, she's a woman. She's a screenwriter. She's... Michaela Cole. Yeah. And she, yes. it's so good. I think people, I think women and men should watch it. It's really good. She did have a Netflix show, though, called Chewing Gum, which was supposed to be great as well. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. That was really good, too. But I'm, I'm hearing great things about I May Destroy You. I'm, I'm going to definitely watch that this coming week. Yeah, it's good. Good shout-outs. No K-dramas? I thought you wanted to shout-out some K-dramas as well, Mitchie. No? Crash Landing? Yeah, I think we just kind of talked about how... I feel like quarantine definitely opened up a lot of people to watching K-drama for the first time, me included. I've never watched a single K-drama series until quarantine. Oh, wow. Really? Never, ever. Huh. And I'm like six, six K drama series in, which is a lot of hours. Even Brian, <laughs> my is... boyfriend, has seen two of those. <laughs> so I feel like it's such a big, when you, the more you look into it, it's such a huge freaking, I don't even market. Like it's insane. It's almost overwhelming the amount of K dramas you can watch. And yeah, I'm hooked. I have a subscription. I have the Vicky app. If you watch <laughs> K-drama, you know it. It's $10 a month. And it's great. Crash Landing is such a good like K-drama to start watching if you guys haven't watched it yet. I wreck. 10 out of 10. Have you watched the Reply series yet? All three of them? Reply 1988, Reply 1992, and Reply 1997? Those are no. ones that I always recommend to folks. I'm sure you heard about it on our podcast as a big fan of our podcast. <laughs> Huge. But yeah, if you're looking for more content, it's three different shows and they're all related to each other and they follow a group of high school students separately in each yeah. series starting in 1997 and it goes reverse order, 1992 and 1998. 1988. Oh. Check out episode number 83 of the Yellow Peril podcast for that review. No, we did talk about it, but I don't know what the number is, but it does look good. I just wish I could unforget it. I mean, forget it. I mean, so I can watch it again. Did it ruin you a little bit? I didn't. I watched all three seasons. Like, I was just, I mean, it was like a dark hole I was in. I was really deep. <laughs> and I was just like, I didn't know what real life was anymore. Like, this was my life. Yeah. These three seasons. And then when I got out of yep. it, I was just like, 
Oh my god. You don't know what to do with yourself. What the hell is this? I have to live my real life now? 60 episodes <laughs> later? It was just great being in the 90s again, you know, because we're children of the 90s, December. I mean, me and Oki are. <laughs> it was nice watch seeing that people on the other side of the Pacific Ocean were, was also obsessed with Street Fighter 2. So that was nice. We're all the same. <laughs> I also have an out-of-the-box recommendation. actually came from Oki, but I'm obsessed with Legos as well. But if you're looking for time, oh. uh, if you're looking for things to do during quarantine... On August, Animal Crossing. Well, it's not out yet. August six. Yeah, in August. Yeah. Lego is releasing a classic Nintendo NES system that you put together that connects to an old school TV that has an actual sort of moving Mario. Oh, that's cool. I don't know how else to explain it Pretty other awesome. than you have to see it for yourself. I'm gonna buy it and put it next to my TV on my media stand so people think it's an actual Nintendo. Right. So you can build the vintage TV out of Legos and then there's like a rotating screen that makes it look like Mario's moving on the screen. What? And you can put a cartridge inside, I think, too. Like you build a cartridge. You can build a Lego cartridge. And it goes inside the system. You build a Lego controller. Wow. It's wild. It's only $230 as well, but How but big it is, is it? full size. It looks like it's the size of a real NES. Hmm. It better be. If it's not, I'll be pretty pissed. But the TV's not that big. <laughs> the TV's not full size. But the NES looks just about as big as... I think it's going to be a little smaller, but it looks amazing. It's 2,600 pieces. And I should say it's, it comes out August 1st. So sorry I said August 6th. If you came in late and it sells out, then that's your fault. But August 1st. <laughs> right. Thanks for listening, Yellow Parlors. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, and anywhere else you find your favorite podcasts. Or just tell your smart speaker to play the Yellow Peril podcast. Have a comment or question you'd like to share with us or an event project or story you think we'd appreciate, call and leave a voicemail at 845-2-YELLOW. That's 845-293-5509. Or email us at yellowperilpod at gmail.com. Or follow us and drop a comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, please consider subscribing, following, leaving us a review, and supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yellowperil. If you support us on Patreon, you will also receive rewards, including stickers, mugs, t-shirts, or even a guest spot on the show, just like Mitchie. Yeah, she gave us $1,000. Yay! <laughs> yeah, thank you for being such a generous Patreon donator. <laughs> you got it, guys. Wait, can you see on Patreon how much you've gotten from people? Probably. Damn. But no, you can't. <laughs> just kidding. This episode was brought to you with the help of our editor, John Oriarte. Before we go, to end the show, as ever, it's our karaoke closer in honor of Magic City? <laughs> yeah, let's sing a song that has Magic City on a Monday in it, which is every single rap song from the past 15 years. I think Mitchie's got this. P.S. Mitchie's amazing at karaoke. And, you know, thank you again, Mitchie, for being here. That was awesome. I hope you had fun. Thanks, guys. We know you enjoy the podcast. I hope you had as much fun being on the podcast as well. Yeah, totally. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate the insight that you brought on COVID-19 and how it's affecting the frontline workers. And my passion for dry rice. <laughs> and your passion for not wet, weird <laughs> sink water rice. I've, I've been cooking rice in my Instapot, which is really yeah. great rice. I, I'm a purist. And it's fast. It's so good, though. You don't like Instapot rice? Instapot rice is so good. I know. It's, it comes out, the, you put in the exact same measurement of water and rice. One to one. One to yeah. one, and it comes out perfectly the right amount of dry. I like it. I like it as well. I feel a sense of pride in, like, cooking rice the old way. <laughs> don't need no instruments. It's just a, a better instrument. Oh, do you, do you go out to the patty still? Oh, that's that's nice of you. Where are the pa are they are the patties over in Boyle Heights and you walk over there and then you go into the LA River in your little secret rice patty. Shake it. <laughs> Shake the rice. <laughs> I just had this image. Great. Good lord. All right, Mitchie, do you know Magic City song? I looked it up. Plas plastic bag by Drake and Future. That's that's the last yeah. that's, I don't know how to say All this. Right. I don't know how to sing this song. You guys got this. Do we know this song? Mitchie does. I didn't know this song. We're ready when you are. You can just sing any song you want, Mitchie. You're the guest, so. Wait, I'm just going to sing Out of Nowhere? Yeah. Just like just like Filipinos everywhere have for <laughs> the entire time I've known Eddie. Wait. <laughs> I did not sign up for this.
What did we talk about today? Trader Joe's. We could sing I Want to Know by Joe. (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. It's amazing how you knock me off my My feet. Every time you come around, me act me weak. weak. Nobody Nobody ever made me me feel feel this way. way. You kiss my lips and then you take my My breath breath away. away. So I want to know, I want to know what turns you on. I'd like to know so I can be all that and more. God, I'd like to know, I'd like to know what makes you cry. So I can be the one who always makes you cry. Nice. Keep going. That was really good. <laughs> John, just cut out all boobing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just let Mitchie ride that yeah, one just, because that John, one. <laughs> yeah, just take out my my channel and just just let yeah. Mitchie ride on that one. Thanks. <laughs> nice. Oh God, that was fun. That's great. This is the great thing about having three channels. Yeah, we can just mute somebody. <laughs> if they suck. <laughs> that was fun, guys. Thanks. <laughs>